Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are our Father, a loving Father, a gracious Father. We thank you for another opportunity to hear your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the one who indwells us. Thank you because he will live big in me. He will rise big in me this morning. He will think through my mind. He will speak through my lips. He will act through my deeds. He will unveil the word of God unto our spirits. We are open to the working of your spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, well, this is Easter Sunday. If you want to title this message, you could title it Christ, our substitute. Christ, our substitute. You see, Jesus Christ was the substitute for the human race. Why was that necessary? We know that God made man in the beginning. He made him in his image and after his likeness. And then he told his man, Adam, after giving him dominion over all the works of his hands, he said, you may eat of all the trees in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. He said, because the day you eat of it, in dying you will die. That's how the literal Hebrew puts it. In dying spiritually, you will die physically. Well, Adam did the unthinkable. He committed high treason. He bowed the knee to God's arch enemy his own arch enemy. I've always wondered, why did he do that? I look forward to asking Adam, but why? My God, what he did was huge. And then, from that instance, Satan became the god of this world. He took a hold of man's dominion and began to use it against man. Sickness came on the scene. Poverty came on the scene. Sin came on the scene. Even physical death came on the scene. Those things were never a part of God's plan. They were consequences of man's disobedience. Immediately, man became a child of Satan. In John 8.44, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees the strictest sect of the Jews. He said, Year of your father, the devil. He said, The lusts of your father ye shall do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a 
liar and the father of it. So man became a child of Satan and he needed to be redeemed. He needed to be bought back. You see, a man sold us out. A man had to buy us back. See, God redeemed us on grounds of justice. Our redemption was based on perfectly legal grounds. And that's why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead. Let's look in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I'll read from verse 3 to verse 6. Isaiah 53, from verse 3 to 6. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. O bi pe awon eniyan kegan re won si ko sile eni tinu re baje ti o si mo ika anu ni o da bi eni ti awon eniyan wo ni awo pajuda akegan re a ko si ka kun nitoto o ti gbe ika anu wa lo o si ti ru ibanuje wa sibe sibe a ka si eni ti ana ti a si jeniya lati odo olorun sugbon won sha logbe nitori aidara wa won pa lara nitori ese wa iya ti won fi je ni o fun wa ni alaafia ni na ti ana ni o mu wa larada gbogbo wa ti sako lo bi agutan olukuluku wa ya si ona ti re oluwa si ti ko ese gbogbo wa le lori i'll read that in a different translation mo ka ninu dape bibeli miran isaac lisa's translation ti isaac lisa it says he was despised and shunned by men a man of pains and acquainted with disease and as one who hid our face who hid his face from us was he despised and we esteemed him not but only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried while we indeed esteemed him stricken smitten of god and afflicted yet he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and through his bruises was healing granted to us we all like sheep went astray Everyone to his own way did we turn, and the Lord let befall him the guilt of us all. So our sicknesses as well as our diseases were laid upon him. You see, Jesus was not a matiah. He was a substitute. If we look at Isaiah chapter 53, in the King James Version, verse, verse 9, it says, And he made his grave with the wicked, and, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, 
neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now, notice he says, I'm with the rich in his death. Now, I looked this up in my Cambridge reference edition. King James Version, the marginal rendering. As well as my Thomas Nelson. King James Versions. And I noticed that the marginal rendering, where it says death, says that the Hebrew word actually was in death. That actually was deaths. So he died more than one death. On the cross, he was made sin for us. You see, he wasn't a sinner. He never sinned. He, he was the Lamb of God without spot. You see, he had to qualify to redeem us. The first Adam was tempted. He failed the test. The second Adam had to take the same test and had to pass them. On all counts of his temptations, he, he whipped the devil. He was without sin. So he qualified. And then he hung on that cross. You see, it wasn't what the angry mob did. It wasn't what the Roman soldiers did. It was what God himself did. God laid our sin on Jesus. God laid our diseases on Jesus. And the reason he did that is so that we won't have to bear those sins. And we won't have to bear those diseases. He took them. He bore them. And then remember on the cross, when Jesus hung there, the Bible tells us, he said, it is finished. In John chapter 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. Well, what finished? Was, was that when redemption was finished? No, redemption was just starting. Because you remember, after he was raised from the dead, and then Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And then he said, Mary, she told only Mary. She was going to walk up to him and oh, hug Mary him perhaps. And then he said, touch me not. I'm not yet ascended to my God and your God. My father and your father. He said, but go to my disciples and tell them to meet me in Galilee like I said. And Peter. Well, that same day, he appeared to the ten. Well, you say, why did I say ten, not the twelve? Judas had hung himself. Thomas was on a wall. We don't know where he went. Away without official leave. But he wasn't there. Then he told them, he said, handle me. So, why could they handle him in the evening? but well he went ahead of me and he got it perfectly right he was thinking through my mind but in the morning Mary Magdalene couldn't touch him 
Why was that? He told us why. He said, I'm not yet ascended to my God and your God. So, in the middle, somewhere there, he went to the Father with the tokens of our redemption. So, you see, when he said it is finished, what then finished? What ended that time? See, that's when the old covenant was finished. That was when the, he had completed, he had set aside the Mosaic law. He fulfilled it. His earth mission on the earth. His ministry on the earth. He spoke the father's words. He did the father's will. He completed it all. It was finished. In Matthew 27. Verse 50 and verse 51. The Bible tells us that Jesus gave up the ghost. And when he did, it says the veil, the curtain, that separated the holy of holies from the holy place was torn apart, rent in two from top to bottom. Now there's a famous Jewish historian. Flavius Josephus. The man said this that from history that that curtain was actually 40 feet wide. It was 20 feet high. And it was 4 inches thick. It was ripped apart from top to bottom. Indicating that God will no longer dwell in an earth-made tabernacle. You see, when the high priest offered Jesus, he was offering his last sacrifice. That was the last sacrifice necessary. A few years after, they couldn't find a member of the priesthood anymore. They couldn't find a member of the Davidic family. Just about 50 years after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. What's the reason? They had fulfilled their role. He had offered that sacrifice. God's presence was no longer going to dwell in an earth-made tabernacle. It was not going to live in us. He fulfilled it. He completed it. He died in our stead. Remember when Jesus was on that cross, he offered, he uttered the heartbreaking words. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Now, Jesus never referred to God as my God. He was always my father. But suddenly he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God forsook him. Why? He had been made sin. Our sin nature was laid on him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He says, for he has made him to be sin for us. 
who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In John chapter 3, in verse 14, he said, as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, he said, even so shall the son of man be lifted up. You see, brass is a type of sin. The serpent is a type of Satan. On the cross, Jesus became everything that spiritual death had made man. He was separated from God for us. You know, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under tremendous pressure. He prayed until he began to sweat blood. That was serious. And then he said to the father, if it be possible, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, some people have said, oh, it was about the beating he was going to get. Look, if it was about the beating, I think Paul got more beating than Jesus. Jesus probably got 39 stripes, maybe only once. You see, God had told them in the Old Testament that they must never beat a fellow Jew more than 40 strokes of the cane. So what they did is this. They usually went one less. In case they missed a count. So they did 39. Paul got 39 stripes five times. Now the the physical beating that Jesus received was horrible. They called it catonine whips. It had razor at the tip of it. So when you throw it around someone, it will wrap around the person. And then the razor will enter into the skin. And then when you pull it, it will rip the skin apart. My God, that was some torture. Now, it wasn't only Jews that dealt with it. Roman soldiers also. You know, maybe the Jews, they counted their own. The Roman soldiers, they didn't know about counting. They hit him hard. And that was really bad. But listen, that is me. it wasn't just that beating. It was the fact that he was going to drink the, drink the cup of God's wrath. The angriest that God had ever been was on that cross. He dealt with Jesus in awful justice. Justice, it, brutality, it was his wrath. That's what happened. But you see, he did that for me. He did that for you. He did that for us. 
He paid that price. Then, because Jesus had been separated from God, it was possible for his physical body to die. You see, if it was just physical death that redeems a man, then we didn't need Jesus to die. You can also die. And your physical dying will redeem you. But no, it was more than dying physically. He died spiritually. And then he died physically. And then he did that for us. Where did he go after he died? He went to the place where people who are separated from God go. You see, creation mourned. The, the angels must have covered their face. There was darkness for hours on the earth. It's like, what is going on here? This is the creator himself. This is the second person of the Godhead. Becoming a subject of death. Becoming a subject of Satan. Being made sin for humanity. You see, the princes of this world did not know. If the devil had known, he actually was signing his own defeat warrants. But, but, he, but he had no clue. It was in God's wisdom to deliver up the son unto death to buy us back. And then he was there. Shut up in hell. Three days and nights suffering for us. You see, Romans 4.25 It says he was delivered up for our offenses. And he was raised up for our justification. The, the marginal rendering puts it like this he was delivered up on account of our offenses and he was raised up when we were declared righteous remember that is deity he is deity he is the second person of the Godhead we are humanity an hour of deity suffering one hour of deity suffering He's worth more than an eternity of humanity suffering. So God looked at Adam's treason. He looked at all the sins of mankind. Retroactively. From the time of Adam. Into eternity. All the sins that mankind could ever commit. And then he looked at all of that. And then he looked at the suffering of Jesus. And then he said, look, he has satisfied the claims of justice. He has met the demands of the law. You know, you compare something with something. The thing that matches is what you compare with the other. You know, if somebody steals a pencil, you know, you don't sentence him to 50 years imprisonment. And then somebody steals 50 billion. And then you tell him to return uh, to pay 1 million. Now, there may be some countries where they do that. But God doesn't do that. 
God is fair. God is righteous. And then he saw it. He saw the suffering that Jesus had suffered. And then he said, yes, it's okay. He has paid the price. You see, sometimes people leave the idea that God just wrote off our sins. He didn't just write off our sins. If it's just about writing off our sins, the devil can say, write off my own too. No, we sinned. We were punished. We served it in full. Only that I wasn't the one that ate the fruit. Adam ate the fruit. The consequence fell on mankind. I didn't need to be the one on the cross. Jesus went on the cross. And by putting my faith in what Jesus did, through substitution and identification, then the merits of his finished work also are mine. So that's it. You see, we hung there with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6.8 says we died with him. You see, when he died, we died. When he was buried. We were buried with him by baptism into death. Like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Romans 6, 4. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. So, Jesus paid that price. He paid it in full. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 in the American Standard Version. It's the American Standard Version. It says he was justified in the spirit. Great is the mystery of godliness. God, God made manifest in the flesh. And then he was seen of angels. And then it says he was justified in the spirit. He was declared righteous. Because he had paid the price in full. Now let's say somebody is guilty. Guilty of an offense. And the person is sentenced to three years imprisonment. You know, the moment three years are over, you don't have a right to keep him there anymore. Because he has been acquitted. He has paid the price. So you can't keep him there again. So he was declared righteous. And when he was declared righteous, the human race was declared righteous. 1 Peter 3.18 1 Peter 3.18 in the amplified version, it's amplified version. It says he was quickened in the spirit. He was made alive. He was made alive. Right there in hell. After he had paid the price, he was declared righteous. When he was declared righteous, we were declared righteous. And then right there in hell, before he was raised from the dead, he was made alive. 
Remember, he was separated from God. But now he was made alive in his spirit. In Acts 13 33, the Bible says, In the day that God brought forth the first begotten from the dead, he said, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten him. That was the day God begat him. And why is that the case? Because he was made sin on the cross. He was separated from God on the cross. A member of the Godhead was separated from the other members of the Godhead to redeem mankind. To pay the price of our sin. You see, that's why Jesus' resurrection is the mightiest act of God the universe has ever seen the greatest act of God he was made alive when he was made alive we were made alive you were made alive I was made alive right there in hell and then something interesting now happened Colossians 2.15 says and having spoiled and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it another translation says and having disarmed another one says and having put to naught another one says and having stripped the marginal rendering says having put off from himself you see all the hosts of hell they thought they had Jesus under their ploy under their grip under their hold but he put them off from himself he took the devil he defeated him he stripped him of that authority he went to the house of the strong man and he spoiled his goods he did that for me he did that for us remember his deity he's the creator and who is the devil he's just a creature one angel that lost his job you see when Lucifer rebelled in heaven. You, you know God didn't fight him. That's an insult. God just sat on his throne. It was Michael that flung the yetin out of heaven. flung him out. There was never a contest between the creator and a creature. With a blast of God's nostrils, he can blow Satan out of existence. Why then did Jesus have to defeat him? You see, he did it in my stead. He did it in our place. He did it for us. It was as though I did it. You see, First John 4, 4. It says, ye are of God, little children and have overcome them and have overcome them talking about satan and his cohorts when did we overcome them we overcame them 2,000 years ago. When Jesus overcame them. You see, it was as though I was there. Stripped the devil of his authority. Brought him to naught. And I stood a master over him. 
Because in the eyes of heaven, hell, and this universe, Jesus did it in our stead. He was our substitute. Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy destroy him that had the power of death. Rotherham's translation says that he might paralyze. You see, he paralyzed the devil. He paralyzed the devil. He stripped him of his authority. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead. In Matthew 28, 18. He said, all, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. The Greek word power there is exousia. And it actually means all authority. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. He stripped the devil of his authority. In Revelation 1.18 Jesus said to John on the Isle of Patmos He said, I'm he that liveth and was dead and I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell and of death you see whoever has the keys is the authorized one Jesus is the authorized one you see by the time you not only defeat your enemy but you now have the key to his own house and you can lock him out of his own house he brought the devil to nothing he stripped him he disarmed him. First John 3 8. He says, For whosoever sinneth is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. He now says, For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy. Another translation says that he might liquidate. Another says that he might neutralize. Another says that he might loosen the works of the devil. See, Jesus not only destroyed the devil, he destroyed his works. He destroyed sickness. He destroyed sin. He destroyed poverty. He destroyed ancestral curses. He destroyed everything. Demon activity. He, Jesus brought the devil to naught. And he did it in my stead. He did it in our place. And then after all that was done, he arose from the dead. He arose from the dead. The champion of heaven. The absolute monarch the king of all the head of the new creation he stood as my lord he conquered satan he went to heaven with his blood offered it obtained eternal redemption for us Ephesians 1 7 it says in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins that word forgiveness is a face is the remission of sins 
we have an actual redemption from the devil's dominion. Colossians 1 from verse 12 to 14 it says giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the remission of our sins child of God you have been redeemed you have been bought back you have been freed from captivity by the payment of a ransom it was paid in full then he arose Jesus arose Jesus arose question what does his resurrection mean what's the meaning of it well we say today is resurrection Sunday well what does it mean that he rose what's the essence of it somebody said well it means that one day we'll have a glorified body that's true but you see it means more than that see when he rose you rose when he rose I rose go to Ephesians chapter 2 I shouldn't quote this one you need to see this with your own eyes you need to read it in your own bible what's the essence of this resurrection why such a big deal about this Easter I know Christmas is celebrated more but let me tell you something what saved us wasn't that he came as a baby in a manger what saved us was that he died he was buried and then he rose from the dead that's the crux of Christianity the resurrection was the greatest event that ever took place Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 it says and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation our lifestyle our conduct in times past in the loss of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us verse 5 even when we were dead in sins when we were dead in sins has made us alive quickened us together with christ by grace he are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus ti Jesus 
That's where we are. Seated with him. Seated with him. Seated with him. At the right hand of the Father. That's what the resurrection means. You see, I heard a fellow one time preaching. Was talking about Easter. He said, whatever problem you are going through, he said, Jesus rose. He said, you too will rise. And the people shouted, Amen. I thought to myself, no. I'm not going to rise. I already rose. When Jesus rose, I rose. I am seated now. It's not that I will be seated. Positionally, now. N-O-W, now. I am seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand of the Father. So that we understand what he's talking about. There was an unusual prayer. That Paul prayed for the saints at Ephesus. Just before that scripture we read. Ephesians 1. From verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above, far above. You see, if he had just said above, that was above enough. But it wasn't just above. It was above being above. Far above. All principality. And power. And might. And dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this world. But also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head. Over all things. To the church. Or for the benefit of the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all you see god raised jesus from the dead god seated jesus at his own right hand god gave jesus to be the head so remember jesus is the head and then in talking about those principalities the powers the might the dominion every name named already and those not yet named he put all of them beneath his feet far beneath his feet but Jesus is the head and the church is the body now if they are beneath his feet and he's the head and the church is the body my question is this where, is, where are your feet are they on top of your head are they inside your head you see your feet like I'm standing erect now. 
are the lowest parts of my body. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. You see, the weakest member of the body of Christ. The weakest member. That yo-yo Christian, that is Christian life, is like sign curve. It goes up and down, up and down. That weakest member of the body of Christ, the devil is still far beneath him. The devil is still far beneath him. Child of God, circumstances are far beneath you. Demons, they are far beneath you. Sickness is far beneath you. You are not made for defeat. You are not made for failure. You are not made for sin. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. The highest place of authority in the universe. That's where you are. Right now. Right now. Yes, we may be here on the earth. But in our every encounter with the devil. In our every encounter with circumstances. We are to face them from a position of victory. We are not doing battle with Satan. Jesus did that. And he won. Once and for all. We do victory over the devil. We, we do triumph over the devil. We do triumph over adverse circumstances. You see, everything God has, every single thing, if God has it, then it's yours because of redemption. First Corinthians 3.21 It says, all, all things are yours. It says, and ye are Christ. And Christ is God's. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have been blessed. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might re receive the promise of the spiritual faith. You see, Christ is our substitute. He is our substitute. Number one, he took our sin. And in its place, he gave us righteousness. He took our diseases. And in its place, he gave us healing and health. First Peter 2.24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed ye were healed God is not going to heal you he has healed you you say if he has how come I'm still sick well maybe you don't know you're healed or maybe you know it but you haven't acted on it and you haven't taken your healing we were healed so healing is ours now 
bye bye ni mulara daje healing is ours now it's ours for the taking it's ours for the taking it's ours for the taking he was made sickness for us our diseases were laid on him he bore them he took them he carried them you see i haven't had a headache now for decades i will live my life out without a headache i've forgotten what it's like to be sick because i found out that he took my sicknesses the reason he took them is so i can be free from them i know it's possible to walk in health and i want you to reflect this Easter season and say you know something I have rights I have privileges I'm not going to live beneath them when I get to heaven I won't meet somebody who said he enjoyed God more than I did because if it is in God I will enjoy it if it is in redemption I will enjoy it and healing is in redemption. So he took our sin nature and gave us righteousness. He took our sicknesses and diseases and gave us healing and health. Do you know he took our poverty? He took our poverty. And I've heard some people say that prosperity is not in redemption. That doesn't even make sense. Doesn't make sense. If the four brought poverty, brought failure, if there isn't prosperity in redemption, then it shows that what the devil did in Adam was greater than what God did in Christ. Yes, I know that the earth, God blessed the earth. Yes, I know God will bless the work of our hands. Child of God, the blessing is on you. There's something called the blessing. And the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. 2 Corinthians 8 9. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Well, when did he become poor? Somebody said he was poor in his earth work. No, he wasn't. Imagine a man that had 12 mouths plus himself 13. Plus his own mouth 13 to feed. And I know some of those people were married. James and John had a father, Zebedee. James and John. I know that Peter had a mother-in-law. So he must have had a wife. And then, uh, you know, the Pope that had a wife. I wonder why more Popes don't have wives. You know, so he probably had children too. And the Bible says he that doesn't provide for his own. Especially those of his own house. He has denied the faith. And is worse than an infidel. So Peter took care of his own. The disciples took care of themselves. You see, Jesus had a treasurer he had so much money he needed somebody 
to carry the money. Now, was he flamboyant? He wasn't. Was he extravagant? He wasn't. Rich doesn't mean being a millionaire. Rich means abundant provision. Rich means full supply. So, in his earth walk, he wasn't poor. His needs were met. Roman soldiers fought over his clothes. That's not a poor man. He had a home in Capernaum. His own home. People have said foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But, but Jesus said the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and they presented it like he was a vagabond you see in that time he was on his road to jerusalem that's what i was talking about he wasn't a homeless wanderer he had his needs met he had his wants supplied so where was he made poor you see he was made poor on the cross Isaiah 53 5. It says the chastisement that of our peace, the chastisement of our peace was on him. That word peace is shalom. And it includes prosperity. The punishment that brought us prosperity was laid on him. He redeemed us. You don't have to be poor. Now, of course, you shouldn't be lazy. The Bible says, he that does not walk, he should not eat. Yes, there are principles we need to learn in the natural. Like good spending. Like good saving. Like improving yourself. Learning all you can learn. So you can earn all you can earn. Like giving, it's also in the Bible. But you see, prosperity is part of why Jesus died. May not be the primary reason. You know, some people fight prosperity. But they walk five times a week for the same prosperity. It doesn't make sense. God wants us well. He wants us rich. He wants us walking in abundance. He wants us living in dominion. In dominion. In dominion. Over adverse circumstances. I want you to change your perspective today. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed taking a hold of your healing. You are not the defeated looking for victory. You are the victor walking in triumph over the circumstances. Yes, we live in a world where the devil is God. He will try to bring sin at you. He will try to bring sickness at you. He will try to bring lack at you. He will try to bring demonic affliction at you. But all he can do is try. If you will stand your ground and say, listen up, devil, 
because of Jesus' resurrection, I am seated at the right hand of the Father. I've got dominion. Romans 5.17 If by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ you see we reign in life you cannot be retrogressive you can't stay on the same spot you can't it's not possible it's not your portion you know he said there shall not lack their mates you know he said so yes he said he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not how shall he not with him also freely give us all things they say you won't have children who said that how who where when do you know what your father said to people under the law the law the law of Moses blood of bulls and goats he said he shall serve the Lord thy God he said he will bless thy bread and thy water he said I will take sickness away from the midst of thee he said there shall none cast their young nor be barren in thy land nor be barren in thy land in Deuteronomy 7 from verse 13 to 15 you see not even your dog is allowed to be barren not even your cat is allowed to be barren not your cows not your livestock you see God said be fruitful he said be fruitful but they said I don't have a womb and so who created wombs if he needs to create another one he will they said my tubes are blocked then he will unblock them who made tubes in the first place your father did and you see you are the seed of Abraham you are the seed of Abraham the blessing is on you the blessing is on you you carry the blessing you are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the father and they say that I will die soon who said that where did you hear it from is that what your father said your father said with long life with long life with long life will I satisfy him he said I will show him my salvation they said they, they said they, they cost me well what if they did listen you are the seed of Abraham he said there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper he says every tongue that rises up against you in judgment he said you will condemn he said surely surely numbers 23 23 there is no enchantment against Jacob there is no 
divination against Israel. One man said it will cost me one time. I said he should go ahead. I said I hope he has the one that works. Because I won't pray about him. It's not a prayer point. Curse me if you can. But remember I'm Abraham's seed. And God told Abraham I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Remember Jesus said I'm a stone. If I fall on you, you are powder. If you fall on me, it's trouble. I'm the seed of Abraham. I carry the blessing. I carry the blessing. I carry the blessing. First John 4 4. He says, Ye are of God. Ye are of God. Little children and have overcome them. He said, Because greater greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is on the inside of you. God is making his home in you. The God of the Bible. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than disease. He's bigger than poverty. He's bigger than failure. He's bigger than adverse circumstances. He's bigger than whatever circumstance that seems to have you bound. And he's in you. He's in you. What is he doing in you? Hitchhiker, squatter. No, he's in you to put you over. He's in you to make you a success. That's who you are. Because of the resurrection. Because he arose. Because he arose. Because he arose. You arose too. You arose too. You arose too. That's where you are. 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 I've seen people. They sat under teaching like this. Just hearing God's word. Just hearing God's word. We had a student. We still have the student. Still one of our students. Diagnosed with cancer. And spread all over her body. Well, she came and was hearing the word. And was just hearing the word. Hearing things like this. Well, they couldn't find the cancer again after a while. Because the word drove it out. He sent his word. He sent his word. And healed them. And healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. I was... I went to preach somewhere. And then the pastor told me, well, I've got a member. She has a peculiar problem. I want her to talk to you herself. Well, I talked with her. It took her 45 minutes. You see, I'm a good one to watch and pray. I timed it. 45 minutes for her to tell me her problem. What was the problem? She said that as she was talking with me, she could feel a ring in her ring finger on her left hand. She could feel a bangle in her hand. That one creature comes to her in her sleep. Sleeps with her. She, she wakes up and notices evidence in her body that something had happened. That's weird. She said she had gone from deliverance house to deliverance house. From another deliverance house to another deliverance house. There was one place she went. They, said she, they told her she has a serpentine spirit. 
And they told her to go and ask her mother. She told me she went to her mother. And her mother said, yes, I'll tell you something that happened. When I was pregnant, with your pregnancy, one day in the house, a snake appeared from nowhere. And the snake went and wrapped itself around my tummy. And moved away. Before I could raise alarm and get the snake, we couldn't find it. Wherever it went, we don't know. So the mother confirmed that. And here was this lady now with this peculiar problem. Okay, when she finished talking about her problem, I listened. Listened well. I thought to myself, this is an easy one. Mark 16, 17. It says, These signs shall accompany the believing ones. In my name, they will exercise authority over the devil. I said, I could just use the name of Jesus and break this thing now. Just a simple command. You know where the word of a king is his power. And because of the new birth, I am a king. And so are you if you are born again. But I said, if I do that, because of all the things she has heard, she will open the door again to the devil in her thinking. And those problems will be back. So I said, I'm not going to do that. Then I told her, sit down, listen. Then I began to share with her. Just similar things like I told you today. I just began to share with her. Took me about 40 minutes. Then another time, I took her through scriptures. Another 45, 40 minutes. By the third time I saw her, she told me, said, You know something? Do you know I'm delivered from the power of darkness? Do you know the devil doesn't have any authority over me? Do you know that thing is gone? I don't feel it anymore. And you know, I don't feel that anymore. I don't have that oppression anymore. And do you know what? I can't have it anymore. It can't come again. See, what was also strange was this. She was a very good looking lady. But no man ever looked at her side. Well, I don't mind telling you she's happily married today. She got a hold of the truth. She found out she's redeemed. She found out she's seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Just like I'm telling you. I've seen case after case after case after case. The word of God. The reality of the finished work of redemption. Thank God for the resurrection. It's not just something we are to shout about. Yes, we are to shout about it. But we are also to walk in it. See, this is a Holy Ghost meeting. And what does the Holy Ghost do? He testifies of Jesus. He magnifies Jesus. Which is what I've been doing. Talking about him. The Lord Jesus. The risen law. And his finished work of redemption. Listen up. He's the husband to the bride. The friend to the friendless. The, the compass to the traveler. The lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the deliverer from the power of darkness the redeemer from the curse of the Lord the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire the healer of every sickness and disease is the Christ of unsearchable riches and is the same yesterday today and forevermore he's the same he's the same he's the same he hasn't changed hasn't lost his power hasn't lost his power hasn't lost his ability he's in the same miracle business doing miracles still I was in Zambia a few weeks ago. One meeting. Yeah, the Lord spoke to my heart about people with hearing issues. Well, we had them to come out. Laid hands on them in the name of Jesus. And then we tested them. Well, I backed them so they couldn't read my lips. And then I began to speak. And they repeated what I said. You see, the power of God is the same. Jesus is the same. I'm thinking now about a person had a heart problem. He was just coming from the hospital. Just went to see the doctor. Then he came to class. And then I, I, I was teaching that class. And then I spoke out. I said, there's a man here. You just came from the doctor's place. And he diagnosed you with a heart problem. Well, I want you to know you're healed. Go back to the doctor. He won't find it. Now, I didn't know. I didn't know about it. I didn't hear from him. Many weeks after. Months actually. We were in the U.S. He was in the U.S. Then he gave the testimony. I didn't know. Then he said he went back to the doctor. And the doctor said, I don't know what happened. But something happened. Don't take those drugs again. You don't need them anymore. You don't have the heart problem anymore. You see, why did that happen? Because Jesus Christ, he is the same. He is the same. He is the same. Yesterday, and today and forevermore. I was in India one time some years ago. They brought this lady. She was in chains. I'm not talking about being uh, in spiritual chains. Yes, she was in spiritual chains but she was also in physical chains. Demon possessed. Demonized completely. Tied to restrain her. Well, I preached a simple message like this. And then I took the name of Jesus. You see, the power is in the name. The authority is in the name. All dominion is in that name. And I spoke that name in the name of Jesus. And she was set free, delivered, made whole, come instantly. By the power of God. I was in Kaduna. I was preaching in a church. They told me to do a seminar on the name of Jesus. And then I began to teach about that name. And then I told them something. I said, if you haven't seen a miracle before, make sure you don't miss Sunday service. Because blind eyes will open. Deaf ears will open. Crippled legs will straighten out. I said, I'm saying so. Is it because God told me I had a revelation? No, I didn't have any revelation. I saw 
saw it on the pages of the Bible. If you will demand anything in my name. If I don't have it, even if I don't have it, I will make it for you. I know the power in that name. The authority in that name. I said, make sure you don't miss that service. Well, the way I spoke, some people looked. He seems he's sure what he says. He looks like he's confident about it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it will happen. Well, they heard me say it again on Saturday. And I told them, don't come late. Make sure you bring the sick. As many as you can. Well, that Sunday came. I saw many sick. Oh, I was so happy. You see, I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. I'm not under any pressure. He's the one who is under pressure. But you know, he's never pressured. He loves to do signs. He loves to do miracles. So I said, all right. You know, there are some things we can't see. It's the doctor that will confirm them. But there are some we can see. You know, I've been in meetings. Somebody will come and say, I was healed of the heart problem. Or I was healed of the kidney problem. You can't tell that immediately. There's some you need to go to the doctor. They need to run tests. Then the doctor will tell you. So I said I will pray for everybody who's sick. But I said let's start with those that we can see. People here who can't hear. You brought someone who's deaf. Let me see. Yeah, three hands came up. Then I said, okay. Are they really deaf? Are we sure they are deaf? Or is it one preacher playing tricks? Oh, so I said, do you know them? Do you know them as deaf? Oh, some people were ready to fight. What do you mean? He's deaf. We know. We, we know the situation. I said, all right, listen. It's not jumping. It's not shouting. It's not sweating. It's the name. The name. It has all power because of the resurrection. Because of the finished work of redemption. And then I just said, He has opened. In Jesus' name. You see, I'm not the one who does it. It's the name that does it. Anybody can use that name. Any Christian can use that name. Two out of the three, the ears popped open instantly. Logan. Then there were people who were blind. Two of them. Their eyes started seeing immediately. People checked them out. Then I said, alright, any cripples around? They brought this boy. He was paralyzed. Totally paralyzed. They took him on the platform. They put him there. As they did, his mother brought him. He fell on the floor. His legs couldn't hold his weight. So I tried to stand him up again. He fell again. He couldn't stand on his feet. They Everybody saw it. So I asked them, is he really crippled? Are we, are we sure he's crippled? Or is he one of those gimmicks that preachers do? It's like, what are you talking about? Can't you see? Even a blind man knows he's crippled. I said, all right. I said, let's just use that name. The 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 name Jesus. I just said, simply, it wasn't even a prayer. It was a command. I said, be healed in Jesus' name. It was that simple. Do you know, in about three, five minutes time, that boy and I were running 
up and down the pulpit, running together. The same boy that couldn't stand, healed by the power of God. The name did it. The name did it. The power is in the name. The authority is in the name. I was in Okene to preach for Pastor Matthew. I was in his church. They brought this lady. She, this was some years ago. She was paralyzed. Totally paralyzed. She couldn't stand. They carried her to the meeting. First service. She got my attention. Say so I should pray for her. I said, you know what? I can pray for you now. But let's do it differently. Let's just wait. Hear the word of God some more. Just hear God's word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, sometimes there are manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And they work as the Spirit of God wills. But whether there is a manifestation or there isn't a manifestation, the word of God will always work if we will act on it. So, she stayed in the meeting, just heard God's word. He carried her to the services. Then the last day of the meeting, just, just like today, Sunday morning, then they brought her. I was ministering to the sick. Simple. In the name of Jesus, I laid hands on her. Do you know, in a few minutes time, she ran, ran across the place. Healed by the power of God. You see, I'm not talking about my anointing. I'm talking about our Jesus. I'm talking about the finished work of redemption. I'm talking about his death. His burial. His resurrection. You know, he said these signs will accompany the preaching of the word. I simply presented that message. Paul said the gospel is the power. Paul it's the power it's the power it's the power the gospel the death the burial the resurrection of the ascended lord that message itself that message itself it is the power of God. It will get the job done. No matter the problem. No matter the disease. No matter how long lasting it has been. The name of Jesus will fix it. But I'll also say this. You know there are special ministries in the body of Christ. There are special anointings. In Acts 19. Verse 11. The Bible says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick. Verse 12 handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So there are special anointings. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. You see there is an anointing to heal. 
There is an anointing to heal. Ever since I was preaching, it was so strong in my hands. Well, Jesus appeared to me June the 1st, 1992. In case you want to know, it was a Monday. About 11.30 that morning, he walked into my room. He beckoned on me. He said, let us go up at once. And then I was cut up before God's throne. He had me to kneel. I knelt. He laid his right hand on my head. And he said to me, he said, I have called you specially and anointed you specially to do what I've called you to do. He said, now I want you to go in the strength of that call. Now I understood what he was talking about. At least to a good degree. Much earlier, a few years before that time, 1989, January 15, in case you want to know, January 15 of 1989 was a Sunday. About 10 a.m. That voice, still small voice on the inside of me, it spoke up. And it said this, there's an anointing on your hands to minister to the sick. Later that year, March 22nd, March 22nd. 1989. A Wednesday. About 7.25 in the evening. He said to me, he said, I've given you a ministry of laying on of hands. To lay hands on the sick and get them healed. And to lay hands on believers and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, 1991. 1991, December 5. Well, in case you want to know, it was a Thursday. Five minutes to midnight. I just felt led to take some time off and spend some extra time praying. So I prayed quite some hours. Quite some obscene hours. Ridiculous hours. Just talking in tongues. Waiting on the Lord. Charging up my spirit. The first day I talked in tongues about 12 hours. That was Tuesday. On Wednesday I talked in tongues 15 hours at a stretch. That Thursday I talked in tongues 19 hours. Yeah. It's just good to charge up our spirits. So that was what I was doing, waiting on the Lord. Stayed off food. Just taking some fluid. I remember that day like yesterday. I can tell you exactly where I was seated. I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing blue khaki shorts. I, I wore one linen shirt. It had uh, stripes. Pink and gray. It was short sleeve. I can tell you exactly where I sat. Then that voice spoke up. And this is what it said. It said, from this night onwards, what is known in my word as the gift of faith, together with the discerning of spirits, when you are in the spirit, will be in very strong oppression in your life. And that tangible anointing you minister under will come back to stay. And it will be a hundred times stronger. Uh, it was like, ah, Baba God, 
100 times to me it's like is that not exaggerated 100 times stronger what are you talking about well I forgot about it well the next day I broke my fast but somehow I didn't have appetite for food so I ended up praying virtually the whole day I went for a church meeting that Friday evening. The service started at 6.30. It was a prayer meeting. At about 7.45, as we were praying, I was talking in tongues, just fellowshipping with the Lord. Then something strange happened. It was like somebody came from behind me and threw a cloak on me. And overcoat. It was my exact size. It wrapped around me. My head. My neck. My arms. My fingers. My chest. My legs. My feet. It just wrapped around me. You know like Luke 24, 49 talks about being clothed with power. Like a mantle, it came on me. So I was wondering, what's this? Then the next thing that happened, I felt something creepy. I don't know a better way to describe it. It was like something was moving on the inside of me in my spirit. Some odd-shaped something was moving inside me. I said, what's this? So I sat down. I stopped praying. What's going on here? Both my elbows were bent like this. Then I felt something. It fell. It fell from up. It hit my right elbow first. Like if I were to do this. I felt something hit me there. I looked. What's that? And then while I was looking, it hit my left elbow next. And then I looked. What's going on? And then the next thing is this. From my shoulder blades here, both arms to my palms, I had this sensation. It was like there were hundreds of tubes. And then I felt this thing. My God, it was like liquid electricity. I, I couldn't stand it. It was like I held a life wire. My eyeballs began to tingle. It's like, watch this. I can't stand it. Turn it off, Lord. Turn it off, Lord. It was strong. Then I remembered. Oh! Oh, he wasn't joking. He said it would be a hundred times stronger. This is one hundred times stronger than whatever I used to feel before. The intensity was much. I knew something by that time that God's power can be stored in cloth. There was this trouser that Fashor gave me. It was a a, a gray trouser. A great trouser. It had turn ups. I remember it. It was a trouser I was wearing that evening. I laid hands on that pa- on that trouser. When that power was strong like that, and it soaked into it. So, I, a, a while after that, I was this medical student who had a classmate whose brother had Down syndrome. Down. So they talked to me about about the, the situation. So I remember that trouser. You know, the Bible says prove all things. So I just 
Ah, explain a few things to the sister. I can tell you her name. Her first name, her last name, I remember. Well, he was taken to the boy. And you know, like that, he got healed. I can tell you case after case. I laid hands on one fellow. He was totally blind in one eye. Hadn't seen in that eye for nine years. I just kept my hand on his head. Then I took my hand off. And then you know what happened? The eye popped open instantly. You see, Jesus is the healer. I didn't do it. I can't do it in my strength. So I can't take any credit. It's Jesus who is the healer. It's Jesus who is the healer. I don't know what condition you've got sickness or disease demonic affliction see that power not only drives out sicknesses it drives out demons it delivers it sets free in a short while we'll lay hands on the sick listen to me today is your day today is your day that sickness is not living with you that disease is not living with you I'm thinking about another lady cancer last stages started from her liver spread all over her body I laid hands on her with that power it soaked into her body a few weeks after they ran tests they couldn't find the cancer it was gone I'm thinking now about another time and when we learned to preach one lady came to meet me in the meeting because I talked about this power in my hands her sister had full blown HIV AIDS well she brought a handkerchief that power can be stored in cloth I laid hands on the handkerchief when the power was in manifestation it was taken to the sister then I saved uh, the number of the person that came to meet me and that was all one month I didn't hear from them two months three months five months about six months after one day I get a call I recognize the number because I'd saved it then I, I picked then the person on the other end was crying I said what's the matter What's the matter? She said, it's my sister. Say, what happened to your she sister? She said, you know, she's healed. They can't find a trace of it. We've gone to three places to check. It's all gone. The symptoms are gone. See, that's Jesus for you. He's the healer. The same. Yesterday and today and forever. I think I preached longer than I intended to. But don't forget what we said. Because of his resurrection, you have been risen with him. You've got authority. You've got dominion. And you are to reign over sin over disease over poverty over the curse how do you reign by the word of God by acting on God's word how do we act on God's word two simple things by speaking it in faith and by adding 
corresponding actions. Speaking it in faith. Speaking it in faith. So you keep speaking. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin does not have dominion over me. By the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the Lord. I am delivered from the curse of the Lord. From the power of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of God's son. You keep saying that in faith. Keep saying that in faith. See Colossians 3.17. Colossians It says whatever you do in word or deed. So that's how we do God's word. With words and deeds. James 2.12. James 2.12. It says so speak ye. And so do. As they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So we speak. And we do. We speak. And we do. We speak. And we do. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. I am the blessed. I'm not the same again. I am the healed. I'm seated with him. You know, believers sometimes they say the wrong things. Things are tight. Ah, business is slow. Ah, there's, there's no money in circulation. Ah, I don't know how we make it. Oh, things are, my business has gone down the drain. Shut up. Just stop that nonsense. Stop speaking that way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You are the redeemed of the Lord. Psalm 107. Verse 2. Psalm 107 verse 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say you are redeemed. Stop saying you are cursed. Say you are blessed. Stop saying you are defeated. Now, we, sometimes in church, we say let's confess the word. And then we are speaking the word. We are speaking the word. And then the service finishes. You know, there's in Mark 11, 23, there are two words if Jesus had added them to that verse he would have changed the verse you notice he said he shall have whatever he says but there are some two words that are not there he didn't say he shall have whatever he said in church he said he shall have whatever he said you see, when you're in church, a good church like this, where your pastor teaches faith, where there are other believers who walk in faith, it's easy to talk faith. When we get out on the street and you meet people, oh boy, how you did? Ah, that sickness is just getting bad. The, the growth is getting bigger. Ah, my head is like, it's banging. It's like, they are, hey, they're having a party in my head. This thing, the way, the way it's going. Am I sure we see tomorrow? Stop talking like that. He shall have what he says. He shall have what he says. You are the redeemed of the Lord. Seated with Jesus. You see, when believers talk that way, angels are embarrassed. What is he saying? 
He doesn't know who he is. The very righteousness of God. A brand new miracle creation. Wow. Revelation that me, I was trying to do long throat to see if I can see. It's not his own. But he's there. Acting like a mere man. A king. A king. You say, when I sleep in the night, I dream. Cows chase me. Okay, just take one of those cows. Kill it. And then eat it. That's what to do. If a cow chases you, chase the cow. Masquerade is chasing me. Chase the masquerade. My friend, you are the righteousness of God. You are a king. A kingly being. A kingly being. Died with Jesus. Buried with Jesus. Raised with Jesus. Seated with Jesus. That's where you are. Let's stand up on our feet. And let's speak the word. Let's speak the word. Let's speak the word. Let's speak the word. Say the same thing that God says about you. Christ is my substitute. He took my sin. He took my disease. He took my poverty. He took my curse. In their place, I am righteousness. I am the healed. I am the prosperous. I am the blessed. I am the blessed. That's who I am. That's what I have. Now, if you want hands laid on you for healing, you want hands laid on you for healing. I will tell you ahead of time. Today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Today. Here now. The power of God will come on you. And you will not be the same. You are not living here with that sickness. You are not living here with that disease. Because the name of Jesus. Will drive it out. The power of the Holy Ghost. Will drive it out. Just come. Come, come. come like somebody who's coming to take something. It's not prayer you are coming for. You are coming for healing. Come to take your healing. Because you are taking it today. 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 Say, but it has been there for 10 years. Even if it has been there for 100 years. Jesus Christ. The same. Yesterday. And today. And forevermore. Now, I am going to be very fast through the healing line. I'll be very fast. If you were to hold a life wire. How many hours do you need to hold it for? Five hours before you know you touched power. No, just the touch. So I will pray a general prayer for everybody. When I come to you, I will lay hands on you. That power will come on you. Just say, I take it now. I take it now. The moment I lay hands on you, say, I take it. I take it. That moment hands are laid on you, just say, I take it. Say that from inside you. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. This is the day. The day of your healing. The day of your deliverance. The day of your miracle. The day of your breakthrough. Because of his resurrection. Amen. Sing something about Jesus, about redemption, about his name.